0: Welcome to Paradox Podcast. I'm your host Justin Oliver here at Danley. Uh, today we're going to get into coaching uh, topics, different questions we had, um, and then some. I want to get into kind of something I put in my story the other day. So, and I want to give some context to that because I I didn't really give too much context, I guess. So um, in the area, me well Dan went out uh, our weightlifting coach, Rubber City weightlifting. He went out and he offered to help um a few gyms in the area and we thought about doing more. Um now this would have been a hundred percent free thing to the gym, the clients, the coaches, the everybody. Um to where basically like we would come in and run a day seminar for you know weightlifting. It might be cleans or something like that. Um you know we went to CrossFit he I know he got a hold of a CrossFit gym. He got a hold of like a sports performance gym, all this stuff. Um And, you know, we had also, he had also kind of thrown in there, like, you know, we'd come in, maybe I'd do a squat clinic, maybe nutrition, something like that, maybe uh, Dane on recovery. And um, from what I understand, actually, I was really surprised that one CrossFit gym had him come in and that was kind of a stepping stone to maybe getting everybody else in. We'll see if anything comes of it. Um, The other place kind of responded quick and then he just never heard anything back in their bigger athletic training gym um you know for sports performance and the kind of the funny thing is it's like you're taking the best minds in the area and they're offering to come help you guys for free your gym your clients your coaches everyone learns right if and you don't jump on that that is a clear indicator that your ego is so big that you think you know more than us. And I'm just going to put it bluntly. If you knew more than us, if you if you did better than us, I mean, facts don't lie. If you did better, you would be producing the same athletes. You would be promote, promoting the same standard that we do. We watch you guys post. We watch, and they probably don't even listen, to this, so I don't even know why I'm talking to them directly. <laughs> but we watch these people post. Um, we watch the people that come out of there, and it's and there's nothing special going on. Let's put it that way. And that's not an ultimate knock on the gym. And the thing was, we weren't coming in. We don't care about. And I reiterated this to Dan to tell them, like, we don't. We're not trying to take your clients. We don't care about taking your clients. We don't need that. We don't care about. Um you know, showing, Oh, Hey, we're smarter than you. What we care about is promoting this industry as a whole in this area. So we wanted to come in and help your coaches learn so you can produce better athletes. So you stop getting people hurt. So you progress people better, um, and, and help these people out. And I think people just, maybe they think we're blowing smoke. I don't fucking know. But the thing is, is that when we're sitting here posting about working or producing um, high level, and we're talking elite level athletes, like they go to national meets um, or they are, you know, nationally qualified for whatever in whatever series in weightlifting. So, you know, people that are in a session, B session at at a national weightlifting event, you know, people that could possibly podium at some point in nationals, you never know here, you know. Um, in powerlifting, you know, people that are ranked inside the top 1% all time in the sport, people that are ranked inside the top 20, 10, you know, in the world currently. Um, I mean, I think so far this year on the nutrition side alone, I've worked with six top 15 in the world athletes. All right. In, in their perspective, weight class, three of them believe two or three of them are in the top 40 let's call it because I'm not I'm not an open powerlifting right now but I'm pretty sure I can stand confident behind that top 40 maybe call it top 50 of any weight class any you know fed by dots in the world all right so when when these people are getting better on their nutrition that shows that I am capable and I am getting better people that are already on an elite level. Okay. So you might want to listen to what I have to say. You might want to maybe step in, have me help you. Right. But no, um, don't hear anything from these people. And that is a clear indicator. Like I said, of ego and two, the dollars, you're afraid that we're going to come in and take your clients. You're afraid that we're going to pull the, 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 the focus off of you and your training. Right. So you care more about the dollars coming in than you do your own athletes, which is sad. All right. And for anybody that says, Oh, I wouldn't do it. I have tried it. Um, I talked to two very well-known powerlifting coaches in the world, uh, about coming in and running seminars and things just haven't lined up with that. Um, uh, There's been a lot going on, and the way they structure a little bit, um, I want to make sure it's worth it for them to come to this facility, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't care what they have to say, and I hope that the coaches learn. I hope that my clients learn. You know, I hope that everyone in here learns. Just because it's not coming from anyone's mouth that works here doesn't mean it. You know, we're not going to accept it in. Um, it was kind of funny cause when I posted that up, some guy that doesn't even follow me. I think he follows Dan. He responded back to me. He took the time to come to my page and respond back to me and said something like, um, that's because, you know, uh, people have had these specialists in quotations in before and they've been such bullshitters, uh, that they like basically embarrassed themselves and were never allowed back in or something like that. And I, wanted, I said, yeah, for sure. Don't doubt it at all. Because I don't doubt it at all. I don't doubt that there's bullshitters. I don't doubt oh, that there's people that think that they know. But let me tell you something. I've been around the block. I've seen 30 fucking gyms around here. I've seen countless gyms around the country. Okay? It might seem like there's a lot of people who know what the fuck they're doing. There really isn't. There truly isn't. Even though we say no secrets, all this stuff, it's about application. Right? And, you know, especially in this area, there's no one else producing barbell strength athletes, period. All right. Because you're working with high school athletes or college athletes, that's nothing special. I mean, you give those kids anything, they're going to progress. And honestly, the progressions I've seen aren't even great at all. Um, The technique is horrendous. It's not even good. Like we can't even say it's good at all. All right. Now, some of them are trying to learn, but what we're seeing is this. You know, this model of like, okay, I have my masters, so I know everything. Meanwhile, your head strength coach, whatever that's training these clients, has no muscle tone at all. And I'm not saying that's the end all be all, right? But you should at least, as a strength coach, look like you could move some weight or at least have some appearance of like you take care of yourself, Mm. not a chunky gut no pecs no arms no legs and you're, hun- you're probably 160 pounds mm-hmm. 170 pounds at 6 foot 6 1 your strength coach shouldn't look like that I'm sorry that shows you have no experience in strength training at all because if you yes. did or if you had any knowledge of that you would take care of yourself or at least have been somewhere mm-hmm. you know barring any crazy medical condition that we just don't know about. You should look like you lift. Right. Right. So you get
1: to be where you're like 75 and that's what's going on. Yeah. All right.
0: But when you're like in your twenties, you know, 30, like you should look like a coach. I'm Mm -hmm. sorry. Like that's all there is to it. Even in like, you know, the powerlifting world, let's say, because like not everyone's aesthetic, um, you know, it's not like bodybuilding where a lot right. of the bodybuilding, the more aesthetic you are, you'll get those kind of clients. things. I get that. And bodybuilding is just an aesthetic sport. I understand in powerlifting, I'm not saying in powerlifting or weightlifting, you need to look a certain way. Like, you know, because there are like
1: jacked and ripped, right? Yeah.
0: You don't have to look jacked, ripped, shredded, bro. Yeah. But I guarantee you those coaches that may not have the aesthetic side, I guarantee them motherfuckers move weight mm-hmm. or the good ones, you know, or... Like they've came out of like, I've seen college shot put coaches, you know, or I'm sorry, college shot put athletes, you know, big burly motherfuckers, right? Mm -hmm. That transition into being a collegiate strength coach or a private sector strength coach, right? And they're coming from a sport where if you watch most of those people, they are... Like I described, burly, big chested, big shoulders, you know what I mean? Big, strong legs. They have a bit to them. They're not usually generally coming out with shredded abs. Right. You know, Um, they're very powerful. They can generally move well, you know. Um, So I'm not saying by any means you have to have a certain aesthetic look. But you can't look like you don't do anything at all. Even if your thing was to be, I'm a strength coach, but you know what? I like to run
1: okay
0: i mean a lot of i've seen plenty of runners that have at least something to them you know so um but i i in this case i don't think that's even the case so um, before
1: anyone makes the argument where it's like well you don't have to always look the part it's it's not that it's what you said before like through experience you will inherently begin to look at least
0: somewhat like you fit in yeah
1: And part of that, comes from a business aspect where you're you're always kind of selling yourself and marketing yourself. Like, put that aside for a second. It's the experience of understanding what it's like to have weight on your back or in Mm -hmm. your hands or what a program should feel like after 6, 12, 32 weeks. What does a program have to keep in mind um, when you are first starting off and they have no technique?
0: And years down the line.
1: When they have things really dialed in. Whether you, quote unquote, look the part, like you said, aesthetically.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: to have someone be able to look at you and trust you based on your physicality is yeah. huge
0: well and not to cut you off but even the more functional um strength coaches you know that the you see a lot of them, the doctor gurus online that yeah. you know are all about function and just moving well <laughs> and you know all this stuff even those guys have an appearance of like i at least run a program Mm
1: -hmm. you know so a lot of times they'll be posting videos of themselves like deadlifting and it's not necessarily huge weight yeah but they're trying to let people know like there is some experience here Mm -hmm. i've been through some of what you've gone through so there's going to be an understanding yeah
0: so that's i mean in general in this area where we're at like that's that's kind of what you see you just see a bunch of people that have never really done anything uh, don't really push themselves, right. You know, so it's, it's kind of odd And the three pillars are, you know, you actually doing something, education, ability to apply. Those are kind of the three pillars of coaching, you know, and when I say education, I'm talking we just
1: like read a book about that
0: formal education, you know, uh, certs, things like right. that also. Cause they, you know, some aren't bad. Some seminars are pretty good, you know? So like there, those are kind of the three pillars. What have you done? What's your education and what have you produced? you know, through all that, mm-hmm. like as far as clients and things, what what's your results? So, um, you gotta have at least two out of the three, you know, and working on the third. Yeah. And, and, and here's the thing, like, I I feel like in this area of the sports performance side, these guys, you know, that you just get handed athletes and it's not hard to put 50, 60, 70 pounds on a lift with a new bred athlete, like that's coming in three, four days a week or whatever. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's very easy, right. Especially at those low level weights. Um, so, you know, parents come in and these naive parents, you know, this person did this, 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 and uh, Oh God, good job, Johnny. You know, Mm. realistically, those aren't very, that's not very impressive. You know what I mean? Sure. The kid got a little bit better, but optimally better. No, you know, so, Um, anyway, that's kind of my little rant about the, the post, um, that I made the other day. I think, I think people, you know, transitioning out of that, um, where I said, like I gave Charlie Dunifer, Mm uh, Charlie's probably listening. Hello, Charlie. Um, I hope that this person's going to email him. Someone emailed about CrossFit programming, right? And it was specific, uh, didn't sound like any kind of niche. And that's what I told the person like if you want niche specialty stuff like olympic weightlifting strength training or if you want gymnastics work Mm -hmm. recovery work we can cover that but if you want just overall daily programming um you know with everything kind of thrown in there and mixed in um that's gonna be someone else we're gonna refer you and i gave him his email right um so like in that moment it wasn't the ability the competency to take that person on it was that i'm not the right fit for that person right i would i'm telling you now like i i would have not wanted to focus on their program mm-hmm. uh, that's not what i'm kind of in you know what i mean i yeah. i i can 100 percent program for it done it plenty of times but it's not what i'm here to do right now right right um so I didn't look at the dollars I could have made off that guy. I gave that away because I don't, I don't need the dollars. I need that person to have good results, right? Right. So I don't care about the money. Um, you know, and it happens all the time where, like, um, I get some people in. We have had an email about a show, you know, wanting to do a show, and the person's probably shopping around or whatever. Um, and... I'll read that and I'll, I'll check what it is. I just saw the first part of it. If it's not something that I want to handle or think I can handle, or they're not a good fit or they're not uh, to a serious enough level, then I'm going to pass them on to somewhere else, someone else, you know? Um, But what we see a lot, I feel like is coaches around here want to take it all on, you know, you have (sighs) coaches trying to do like powerlifting training, sports performance, Olympic weightlifting, bodybuilding, general pop, all in just themselves, right? Right. Well, it's not bad to like take some, uh, take some people on here and there for that stuff in the beginning of your coaching, early years of your coaching, um, just to kind of see maybe which direction you want to head. Yeah. All right. Um, cause me, myself, I have coached for all of those things. You know, I, I, I have the competency at a low to mid level with all of them, Mm-hmm. But past that, like it sways, you know, like I've been doing a lot of strength stuff for a very long time. I've been doing a lot of bodybuilding work for a very long time with that stuff. I can get people conditioned for certain things, but there's some stuff that like, you know, like that guy came in for CrossFit programming and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm not as... In that world now, right, that like I'm not gonna try to keep up with all the new movements and especially if he wants to be competitive, and that's just not what I do, right um now, if someone comes to me and they want strength work, then I'll analyze like, okay, what are you guys doing, and we'll work on that right right um nutrition wise, what's going on with programming? We'll analyze that. But on a day-to-day like CrossFit programming stuff, I'm not going to write blocks out like that. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just not, I'm not going to keep up with all of it. I'm not going to worry about it. You know, that what, you know, my, what my rate charges, I, I would almost have to like double or triple it to honestly make it worth right. it. Right. Just sit down and write all that out. So um, anyway, uh, but yeah, as, as coaches, you know, not saying you need to find a niche right away, but you need to kind of get into something and stick to it. Not try to take everybody on that comes through. Um, if you're chasing dollars, like that's going to only last you for so long. Right. Um, hold on a second.
1: As someone who can speak from experience about spreading themselves too thin, not in regard to the clients that I take on and like not finding a niche, but just like oh, I want to do this project and I want to do this project. And eventually what I see is that all the projects suffer. Yeah. Take that same thing and apply it to the coaching where, you know, it's a very fine line. It's a balancing act because we've talked about it where it's like, you need to basically say yes to everything in the Mm -hmm. beginning before you're allowed to specialize. Like we see a lot of people who are like, well, you said I need to find a specialty and they just like right away, they go into it with no experience and not a lot of knowledge, but they want to have, I guess that, start of a brand you in, in the the start is always gen pop
0: always it's never athlete it's never um powerlifting. it's never and it, even though people do this it should never be that it should always be gen pop first
1: little by little yep it like starts to funnel down as you yeah. figure out like what am i good at what am i uh, Yeah. what do i have as a resource yeah. like if you're in an area that has 17 crossfit gyms You probably don't want to go into competition with them unless Mm. you know that you're way better than all of them. Yeah. You know, in whatever way that is. Yeah. So that process of kind of funneling it down, but yeah, little by little, you got to figure out what it is that is going to be. Well, because what
0: you see a lot, and this happens all the time, is like, okay, I'm strong. I'm a powerlifter, a weightlifter. So I'm going to coach powerlifters and weightlifters. And they only know kind of a little bit about their own training, their own self. Mm -hmm. um, And they start coaching. And they forget that not everyone has their genetics. Not everyone is them. And they start coaching people kind of how they would coach themselves. Yeah. And then it's, it, you got to remember, it's gen pop people come transitioning into powerlifting. So maybe they've been working out a little bit. Maybe they haven't worked out hardly at all. Right. And they want to start. They
1: tell you that they have. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and so what happens is then you try to train and I'll, God, I see this. I used to say this a lot more, but like people would train like everyone, the same. Like it would be like they're doing powerlifting movements. It's just some fucking old lady that wants to move well, mm-hmm. you know. And like, I'm not saying there's not a time and place like to have that lady squatting and deadlifting and stuff, but like it, she doesn't need a follow-up standard <laughs> four day a week, right. you know, powerlifting program unless that's what she wants to compete in. Um, and you'll see it like a lot of times people will transition powerlifting into like sports performance. There are aspects of powerlifting that will help, mm-hmm. but there are asp- but that's not sports performance. It's not the bread and butter. It's not the um the whole essence of sports performance, right? You know, so and you see that where niche coaches try to coach that stuff, and it's not what exactly they should be doing,
1: right? You can see so, it from a mile away when you are uh, in any well or in, to any extent well versed. Mm-hmm. in like a certain field. I see it with like speed and agility work yeah. where it's like, I'm going to have these people go out and do sprints and that's going to make them it fast. It's like it might if that's what they need mm-hmm. in the same way that you could have somebody doing front squats very purposefully at a certain point in yeah. programming because you might just say it as a blanket statement, these will make them strong. But if they ask for deeper uh, explanation on that, you can say we're doing them in this way at this point in the program because I know this and this and this is mm-hmm. coming up. Mm-hmm. The sprint coach has to be able to do the same thing. Yeah. I see these videos of just asinine movements. Yeah. Like people that they're, they're moving fast, quote-unquote, but it's sloppy as hell. Yeah. There's no technique to it. They're just naturally quick. Yeah. And so they think, well, if my feet are chopping all over the place, well, I must be doing agility. It's kind, it's kind of like, funny because, like, someone said this the other day, and I laughed
0: because it was so accurate. They're like, yeah, those uh, sports performance places where you go in and you basically just do the same speed and agility stuff we did in high school and you charge parents $150 a month, I literally yep. started laughing when they said yeah. that. I'm like, "Yep, sounds about right." Because that's what it is, basically. Is like the equivalent of the high school gym weightlifting coach or or football coach yeah. is now the sports performance coach that charges parents $150 a month for their kid to go there, mm-hmm. and you know they'll throw in something that they saw on the internet um, as like the new thing of the month, you know, and and parents are like, ooh, like cool they're doing form running or like they're yeah, yeah they're doing slam ball work or you know what i mean yeah. like
1: or med ball tosses yeah like, like any idiot can and... just
0: throw some shit up on the board
1: and be like all right toss this ball around okay um someone said that this makes you faster this yeah, makes this, you explosive yeah. it'll yeah. work on lateral power yeah. i love when they start putting terms like that mm-hmm. like i think that that without segueing too far off of it is similar to when we hear about high school coaches who don't want to take us up on an offer to come in and teach or like mm-hmm. coach, instruct. Yeah. Because it's like, well, we're doing the same things you're doing. Why would we have you come in? It's like you are, you're doing the same you're movements. You're doing it incorrectly though. And you're not teaching yeah. while you're doing it. It's yeah. like I can go put four cones out there mm-hmm. and have anybody off the street come in and tell you that you're gonna do this like four-way pattern, whoever yeah. it is. It's the person that can then explain to you why are you doing what you're doing. How are you doing it incorrectly? How do you get better? Mm-hmm. And then think ahead to what comes next. That's why you pay 150 mm-hmm. I haven't seen a place around here that, does that, that is that. worth that. No, it's literally. They take you through the motions.
0: Yeah, it's literally a babysitter. Like they come in, they watch your kid, they throw some stuff on the board, good job class, mm-hmm. go team See you later. Speaking as
1: someone who used to do that. Yeah. Like I worked as a coach and that was my job to essentially babysit, take him through the motions because I didn't know any better. Yeah. And then once you learn it and you look back on it, you're like, God damn, I sucked. Yep. Like I can't believe that parents were paying as much as they were for me to not educate.
0: Yeah. Well, I remember when I was, uh, when I first started running some classes at the old place I worked at, um, where we were doing more, you know, he wanted functional classes and things. I actually started to slow it down and go over stuff. Mm -hmm. And 80%, let's say, 85% of the class loved that. That I was like slowing it down, teaching, breaking things down. We're working a lot on technique. And then you would have like some that would complain like why well, didn't sweat today oh yeah like, jesus christ like <laughs> you're gonna sweat later all right <laughs> we're trying to get you to move right so
1: you can sweat right like <laughs> we used to tell kids all the time when they came in the parents too yeah it's like the place in the title was called strength and conditioning right yeah and they thought that when they came in well we should be conditioning it's like no not right now i'm going to teach you how to move so that when you go condition with your football team with lacrosse yeah. with baseball with soccer, whatever You're doing it well. Yeah. You're getting more out of it and you have less risk for injury. Yeah. Like that's what I'm teaching. But yeah, we had parents that would come in. They're like, well, I really want my son work today. And the kid would be like, well, it wasn't that hard. Yeah. It's like, it's not, it's not supposed to be. Yeah. Like you should be working obviously, but it's about learning. And you You see this because the
0: kids are so used to that too. I see that like on some of the younger powerlifters I would take on coming out of sports and like, they would do the program and be like, yeah, then I went and did this, this, this. I'm like, Nope. Like that's not, yeah. it's, well, it was what I did. Like, you know, my training wasn't that hard. It's not supposed to be right. Like it's not, there's a time and place. Yeah. <laughs> they don't, and they don't get it and it's not their fault. They're just taught wrong. It's right. a problem.
1: So, so I've been like writing down things as we've been going through on stuff that you said. And what at the very beginning, when you said that their ego makes them think that they know more. I'm just, I'm curious on this one. I would love to actually find out, do they think that they know more or do they think they know enough to justify not having us come in? I think it's in honestly, I don't think it's,
0: um, I honestly think, I mean, if they pay attention at all, I think it airs more on the side that they're scared that they're going to look dumb. That, we're gonna come in, we're gonna explain stuff, mm-hmm. and their clients and their kids and you know, their coaches and you know, everyone else can be like, Oh wow, like these guys are smart. They're trying to go with that old business model of like, you know, don't promote your competition, basically. And they're stupid. Because if you have I, loyal yeah. customers, they're not just gonna walk out the door, right? Some may leave, yeah. some may come to us and be like, hey. You guys know a lot of shit like, okay, maybe we're going to I'm going to have my kid come private sessions over here with you, Mm -hmm. you know,
1: maybe, maybe not. I couldn't tell you. But more importantly, they now have this increase in knowledge Mm -hmm. that they get to apply to everybody who comes in the door after that. So, yeah, maybe you have like two or three that leave. Mm-hmm. But for every person who comes in, you have a greater yep. chance of retention. You
0: a, yep. You have a better chance of retention. You sound better and they move better and things just work out better. But I mean,
1: it's cliche. But uh, that's why
0: no one around here. Honestly, that's why no one around here is producing high level athletes. Like the kids that go to these places that are going D1 already, they're going D1 already. They're not. Oh, yeah. It's not from your training. It never would be. It never will be. It's mm-hmm. those kids are going D1 no matter what they do. They can go to just normal football practice, baseball practice, whatever, and yeah. they're going D1. Like they're, they're, yeah. It's not your training.
1: I remember helping out uh, with uh, Jackson High School with some of the pole vaulting. Mm-hmm. I went to a meet, and you saw this junior run the 200 in just like an absurd time for high school. Yeah. And they're like, oh, he's going to end up going to you know, whatever college. for." Like he had already like, talked to the recruiters about right. it. And you watch him run. That is not the sprint coach at that high school. Who no, got that kid ran that fast? And you, just, you look at it and you're like, all they have to do is stay healthy. Yep. That's it. Don't work them in mm-hmm. any way other than keep them healthy.
0: Uh, and here's my thing. And this is a question I want to pose to, you know, um, athletic directors, you know, private sector coaches, private sector um, sports forest places is imagine. Your kids learning from a young age or a semi starting age, 13, 14, 15 years old Mm -hmm. and having three years, four years to build them properly. How many more big athletes do you produce? Guess what comes in when that happens? More people. people. Those schools in Florida that are legit where the BOSAs went, I forget what that school is called. Like. Parents with money send their kids there like from out of state mm-hmm. to go down there, to go to that school for football because that school has produced and produced and produced, mm-hmm. right? It wasn't necessarily from a strength coach, although I'm sure they probably have a good one because they have the money flowing <laughs> in, but it wasn't like from the strength coach. It, wasn't, it was from the reputation of winning, right? Right. So the parents, you know, they all start right. flocking in, right? Um there's a school for hockey uh, Lindsay would uh, their parents always talk about it over in like Indiana that's like almost like a uh, you I mean your kids bored there and everything right okay but they have a habit of winning right and producing these kids so naturally but who does these things it's parents with that are willing to spend the dollars right right so that don't not only boost your school it boosts your community right mm-hmm. private sector. That's just more revenues. I mean, I mean, your revenues trickle back to the community too, but it's just simply more revenue, right? Mm -hmm. These places, um, some of these big institutes and things that are in like New York or whatever, like places people go there, uh, not at the high school level anymore. I mean, they probably do, but like now they're people, professionals are coming, professional athletes to your little. You know, you started off as a little um, training gym coaching high school athletes or whatever yeah and then you did something with some college athlete you know and then the
1: pros start coming in you know or you keep one of the college athletes that went pro and you're like that's the person i went to when i'm home that's who i trust yeah yeah so anyway Uh, the (sighs) other thing i wrote down from it um was that again i know it's cliche for anybody who does listen to him because he says it all the time but gary v is huge on this he's like give 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 yeah like don't give don't ask for anything Yeah, just give because that in itself, like that's its own marketing. Sure. But it just, like you said, helps to increase knowledge. You want to build the field. Yeah. If you build the awareness for the field, you automatically increase the number of potential clients in an area. And if it's, if all these in like gym owners and business owners are concerned about is the number of potential clients, that's one of the easiest ways to increase the possibility of having more people to retain. Is increase awareness. Yeah. And if you have a gym that has lower and lower expectations for the people yeah. who are coming out of it, you're taking away Th- the awareness. Think about this. This area has grown
0: with money, right? hmm In the last 10 years or so.
1: May I give it like another 10?
0: Okay. <laughs> think of this. Truly think of this. Mm-hmm. 10 years ago, how many sports performance gyms were there around here? 10 years ago.
1: I can think of one.
0: Maybe. Yeah. Like... Maybe two, maybe there was an underground one or something, but you're talking like- Like
1: dedicated sports performance? Like that's all they did? Yep. I can think of one. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Now, how many are there? You know, as the money comes up, more sports performance gyms pop up, right? Mm -hmm. Now, sure, people saw there was an underserved market, but also people are chasing the fucking dollars, all right? That's what's going on. People are just chasing the dollars. Idiots down the road that just hire those D1 athletes, D2 athletes that were, you know, maybe names in Stark County or whatever. They're hiring them to bring the parents in because, oh, look, we have this kid guy that went to whatever D1 school and maybe he went pro for a little bit and dropped. That doesn't mean he knows shit. No, you know, but that's the naive of the parents. That's why, like, you know, we've wanted to go run these seminars even at the school. Mm-hmm. Not even in those other train gyms at the school, so you can see, you know. Um, and it's kind of funny, like the the one kid that I took on for powerlifting from his high school. All right, those he he said there's kids in his high school who know who I am, and I'm not even in the sports performance like deep into it world,
1: right? But
0: they know because they've seen, you know, they've seen the results that this gym produces, right? Right. So
1: the next one I ended up <laughs> writing down is why we won't steal their clients.
0: Yeah. Because... And, well, the thing is... is
1: I hope uh, you say what I wrote. Oh. Go ahead. <laughs> they can't afford us. Yeah. And it's not that they literally can't afford us. I'm not trying to brag about a high price that, point. But, but uh, what yeah. they're willing to pay mm-hmm. is not what we charge. Yeah. And so if they can get information in a you know short, condensed form, which is us coming in and, and educating and yeah. teaching in these seminars but they don't have to then hire us as a coach as a therapist as uh, you know a nutritionist whatever. Yeah. They're going to do that and they're going to stay where they are because yep. they don't want to take on that monthly well, cost.
0: It's it's just like thing is is the clients. if you go to one of those and it costs you whatever 150 125 100 dollars a month whatever, mm-hmm. you know, you come in here and run a couple sessions you're already over that, you know. Right. Um and not to say like we would never do a group thing, but we're just not at the, we've done it before, you know, uh, we're just not set up right for it. Mm-hmm. And we like the individuality of things a little bit more. So, yeah. uh, we run our programs and then we do personal coaching, right? One-on-one coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, the sad part is I feel like I could get these guys better on a program and them go lift by themselves and they get in these places. Maybe maybe some sessions off the start just to teach them some things, but mm-hmm. it's terrible. But um, yeah, it's I mean, a, people aren't just gonna walk away because if they're like, "Well, I pay a hundred fifty here, how much are you?" Like, well, my programming alone's almost that much, and then the you know, if you got though. a gym membership, programming, you're already over one fifty, right? You know, um, so you know if if you add in sessions and that it's going to cost you more but guess what like even if I was running a group program like you would still pay a fair amount for it and it'd be a group thing it wouldn't be
1: the individuality of it all and if so, people see that and they know that like yeah. that just again to my point is more evidence that we're not going to steal them Mm-mm. because they might see that we know yeah. something that their coach well, previously it's, it's didn't it's like the
0: crossfit gym thing do yeah. we have a crossfit gym here last i checked no you know so it's like why wouldn't you bring in these coaches that are going to know a lot about the movements that you're doing, you know, and teach them in depth for an hour or two and you could sit there and learn. So when you get new people in, you seem smart, right? Right. No brainer. But you know what? In the end, we probably will pick up one or two of your clients for, uh, like side strength, side recovery, Olympic, whatever nutrition. We probably will. It will happen. We will take, yeah. you know, but they're staying probably in your gym they're still doing the classes. Oh, we've seen that how many times but they're yeah i'm fuck we're doing it now yeah. you know but they're work they're working in there, training on side programs less so they don't go hire uh fucking bob from california to do their programming anymore right they hire us down the road which we don't offer the classes you offer the classes so you get them on the classes we got them on the other stuff that they're already going outside of you to pay for anyway. That's what was always crazy to me. is like when these CrossFit gyms within the CrossFit gym, you would have like a dozen people that were on like catalyst training or Cal strength yeah. or mash or whatever. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's like if we well, we did have CrossFit, gym, but the whole thing with that, they wouldn't have been on that shit. They would have been under Dan and, mm-hmm right away I think like three or four people signed up for the add on to get with Dan, right? Right. So that was our whole thing with with that. Is like we
1: would gain those side clients or side you know, and you get the coaching out of it. If you have a client or a gym member who stays at your CrossFit gym and we'll just stick with CrossFit for a second. And then they come over here and get one on one training or programming. Yeah. Guess what? You are now basically putting an ambassador from your CrossFit gym into the place that they are going for programming and they can, cause they don't have any ill will either way. Yeah. They like being here for strength. They like being in the CrossFit gym for their workouts and the community. Yeah. Right. So every time that they come here, they can talk about how much they enjoy doing CrossFit. Some other place you might get yeah, you a might couple get members yeah. from here to like might, sign up for CrossFit. Might all work the same way. Yeah. yeah it all comes around. and it goes around. It's like, <clears throat> I have never understood the mindset of being afraid that someone's going to come in and know something that makes me look bad. Yeah. Because I I want to continue to learn, and if in the mm-hmm. process of learning, it's you know kind of just being like an outsider watching so, like my group. Like let's say I was coaching a group, and I bring you in, and I clearly don't know as much as you about squatting, but if I'm get to watch you teaching that group, I'm learning at the same time, and afterward I might feel kind of sheepish. I'm like, man, I. I taught that one part wrong. I've been doing this whole thing uh, for the past, you know, six months and it wasn't doing it right. Guess what? I'm never going to make that fucking mistake again. Mm -hmm. I only have to feel bad for like the hour or so that I realized I made a mistake and then you get better and you never do it again. Yeah. I've never understood that fear of, you know, looking foolish for a split second. Yeah. If it means that you never have to do it again.
0: Yep. Yeah.
1: All right. Um
0: wanted to answer a couple questions that have been lingering for a while that we haven't gotten to. Um, I'm going to kind of bump around here and just a okay. couple of them. Uh, at what point in a career should a strength athlete settle on their long-term weight class? Um, six weeks. Yeah, six <laughs> weeks. Uh, I think that just depends on where they're currently at, what sort of experience they have um, – You know, if they're two, three years in, but they're coming out of like a high level sport or something, um, and they're already kind of have like mass muscle on them, you know what I mean? All that stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, they're, they're not really like, it wouldn't be advantageous to go gain another 15, 20 pounds or something. Um, and that's their class. That's their class for others you know it might be 4 or 5 years in when they're build enough muscle up build enough mass up they're getting more competitive within that weight class mm-hmm. and um that might be where they kind of need to settle right uh age becomes a big thing yeah. so if they're you know 20 years old that's probably not the weight class they're going to be in at 26 right um now some people are already built up by then some aren't it mm-hmm. just depends on their own genetics and things so
1: um yeah that's can we use kara as an example for a second because i know that you said like she had lost a good bit of weight when Mm -hmm. she was going to the one meet and you realized that uh levers were different Mm -hmm. and positioning was different yeah so in that case when you're working with someone like that where you know their weight has clearly changed would you based on that feedback then say hey maybe we need to readjust for a period of time build muscle so that those levers you know come back to where they were yeah If that's the case, you know, how long could something like that take?
0: It's never going to be like, that's why I've tried to explain, like right now she's worried about her weight pop back up like a couple pounds. And it's like that, like we got down to the the weight class that she was going to be in the 198s. And it's like optimally, realistically, I mean, she probably, you know, well, she did shoot back to like 203, 204. That's probably where she wants to be, you know, 205, Mm -hmm. 206. Um, and then come back down, you know, post-meet. And maybe we could go through a quote-unquote cut phase where she builds, um, she's able to cut down a little bit more. Okay. And then from there, you start building out, like, okay, which weight class are we going to be in here? You know, 181s, 198s. And she's leaner for doing that, right? This process could take two years. Okay. You know, it, I wanted people to hear that. Yeah. Like this is not a well, like Mary, quick decision. Um, who just won the fall bro that mm-hmm. I post about. Like, um, you know, Mary was uh, one. She she's fluctuated. She's been kind of in the middle of being a one forty eight one sixty five. Okay. Um, we were able to tweak the nutrition a little bit, so she trained about one fifty three to one fifty four one fifty five tops, mm-hmm. and then uh, we manipulated down uh, pretty easily because, you know, we had already took some food away and things, um, and got her into the one forty eights. And she went and um she totaled uh was it twelve forty at one forty eight, which is number six in the world right now. Good Lord. Yeah. Um I've watched her come up. I mean, from you know, she was totaling like just over a thousand a few years ago mm-hmm. to like that's a big jump, by the way. Like going just over a thousand to twelve over twelve hundred in like two years, that's pretty significant progress.
1: Um, for anyone who wasn't there, I got to, I was helping to load weights yeah. and she came off the platform. I mean, you were right there because yeah. you, you know, judging the look on her face. And this the level of emotion that she had mm-hmm. when she finished that last deadlift. Yeah. And it's like, if anybody wants the textbook example of like pure joy from accomplishment, like yeah. that right there.
0: When she knew she put everything into it, exactly. You know, she put together a good prep, um, you know, I think her uh, boyfriend does her programming and, you know, she does everything outside of that. She takes care of her body. She's, Mm -hmm. you know, she ran the nutrition right, how she should. And if you notice, like, I mean, she posted some pictures, her body composition changed as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Started to get very blocky, a lot more shredded, things like that. And so now like, you know, that class to stay in the 148s, maybe go try to make a run at being one of the top. Uh, you know, one, two, three in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, she's going to need to keep that metabolism high, but then also, uh, we don't want to kill it. But we do need to get the weight down a little bit, um, so she wouldn't be constantly cutting to it too far. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, and we've already kind of talked about it. And it's going to take some months to game plan, but. All in all, like she a while back, about a year ago, decided to go through her own, you know, transformation stage where uh, I can't remember her exact weight or anything, but she was up in the 165 class. Okay. And I I don't doubt she was probably weighing in the 160s, maybe 170 range. And she had dieted down, right? Mm -hmm. And she, you know, started to bring out some cuts and things, but then she had to go through this phase where she built up and this might've been a year and a half ago, but she had to go through a phase where she kind of built up and then um when she came to me you know she was built back up a little bit but a little bit more uh she was still had some shreds and things and you know this but a little bit more you know fluff if you want to say it you know and um then we re recomp the body a little bit to now she looks very very athletic right yeah she does um so You know, that whole process year and a half she had to go through, Mm -hmm. you know, and it might have even been before that. Like, I, you know, I don't know her exact history there, but it could have been two years ago. Uh, She could have even been heavier, who knows, or maybe just not same composition. So it takes time. And the problem is a lot of people want, um, they want to get strong, but they also want to recomp their body and most can't do it right you know you can you can semi do both in the beginning as you get to those elite levels you know how fucking hard it is to take people like her and kara and make sure their nutrition is on point and don't get weaker while we're optimizing the body while we're optimizing the weight it's not fucking easy and that's the problem be honest no because i I don't know nutrition i think (laughs) people i think people see it and they're just like oh well they're already a high level so that's that's not too hard to do. Okay, maybe the aesthetic side, but to keep their performance up too mm-hmm. is harder than you think. You know, it's
1: it's not compl- It's not too easy. Um, if your nutrition coach can't have a conversation with you like this and doesn't yeah. understand it, you should reconsider who you hired.
0: Yeah, but it, you know, <laughs> and you just it's just one of them things. Like I think people just blanket it like. Oh, nutrition. And, you know, it's. I get a lot of people I'll reach out to me from coaching people like that uh, or Chloe Lansing, uh, number four, 148 in the world. Remember mm-hmm. how I said I coached yeah. a bunch of these that were in the top whatever in the world, uh, 15 this year. Um, so there's two of them that are inside the top six in the world in the 148s mm-hmm. um, that I've coached. And, you know, like her, same thing. She has posted today how she's uh, taking less steps, eating way more. She felt like burnt out. She felt like shit. You know, a year ago when she was trying to stay, you know, same weight, yeah. eating, eating less, taking more steps, like all this stuff. Now less steps, better relationship with food, happier about it, feels good, you know, eating more, all this shit. Yeah. And all she's doing is applying the principles that we kind of worked on over the course of however many, six, seven months I worked with her or
1: whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and... But no, nutrition is just eating healthy.
0: Yeah. But Methodist. I think people like... They don't realize that like to 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 make sure sarcasm, these people don't get weaker while doing that, not everyone can do that either. Like you're not you're not gonna just hire me and I'm magically gonna make you shredded without losing any strength for the short term. Right. You know, it doesn't always fucking work that way. So stop the expectations of like I'm gonna get stronger and shredded at the same time. You have to go through phases. And it is very hard to do both at the same time. And it's going to take some time and it's going to take time. And the more you pull from one, the longer that path is right. Mm -hmm. So if you're pulling some food, that strength linear pattern that you all want is going to take longer. It's going to be that much harder to push to that. Right. Mm -hmm. So you got to go through phases. All right. That's my rant on that. That's a good one. That could have been a whole other podcast. Um, Let's see uh, da, 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 da. initially like just for coaching uh, while being helpful but also uh, not trying to overload their head um, and they were basically talking about like how to work through oh I guess I should go back here how to work through uh, learning how to feel muscles engaging uh, while being helpful but also trying not to overload their head I think they're looking for cues there Okay. Uh, that's kind of a weird question set up, but uh, that's what I hate about those little, <laughs> they can yeah. only type like two sentences at a time.
1: I've had people this um, in the box, it just says emailed you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they yeah. can write out the whole explanation. Uh, um, I'm notorious for this yeah. because I love talking about the information and I forget that people don't care. Yeah. Like they want that cue that will help them understand it. Yeah. And then by, I'm still talking because I'm talking about why it's happening and like what they mm-hmm. want to take consideration and realizing that I probably need to keep most of that. They in. probably don't. They, yeah. They
0: are, like you get into all these terms and you just see their blank stare and you're like, shit. Cause like,
1: it, like it's not meant yeah. to like sound smart or like to make yeah. them think that I know a lot. It's just like, I'm a nerd. Yes, yeah, so you like, go deeper and that's the, the hard ADD part. takes over.
0: So you have to break it down. Like this is what I do with clients I start, like if I'm doing the squat, I always do it the same way. I have them unrack a bar Mm -hmm. and I have them, and this is like assuming that they, you know, squat and stuff. Yeah. Um, You know, it's just my method. It's not always the best. I know there's other ways to test function first and all that stuff. We get that. But I'll have them unload a bar and I just say, show me a squat with a bar. Mm -hmm. Give me three reps. I'll watch them unload and I just pick them apart on everything that I see. Mm -hmm. Then I take it from baby steps. I show them. How to stand to unrack the bar, how to breathe before you unrack the bar, how to unrack the bar, Mm -hmm. how to take your steps, how to breathe and brace, how to root to the ground, how to externally rotate in the hip, you know, how to set the lats, like all this shit, just boom, 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 boom. So I give them a checklist of like 10 fucking things, right? Mm -hmm. Right off the start, but it's a compounding builder. That I do over the course of like 45 minutes. Yeah. Right. And. So it's not just like, hey, on this next set. From there. Do all ten. From there. Then we start working through like maybe one or two cues about the bracing. Okay. About the rooting or whatever. Um, then as they get. And this is what pisses me off. A lot of people don't do their own homework. Don't know their own things. Um, don't, you know, aren't students of the game, as I always say. Um, So I get questions from people I've been lifting three, four years that are basic fundamentals. And that's why I want to make these videos today of like, Mm -hmm. these are basic fundamental things that you guys should know about your lift that like, I see so many people screw up and I just don't get how like, and I think it's just complacency with their technique in their training. Right. Okay. So when I'm giving cues back, like it might be one or two sentences, it might, or it might be a couple words. Didn't externally rotate at the hip, you know, mm-hmm. rooting to the ground, like things like that. It might say, you know, um, with their um, lat engagement, you know, on, on a bench, I just gave this one to Kara about like settling the shoulders back, you know, into the bench, letting it settle, not overextending, hyperextending, you know, out of the shoulder girdle, letting it settle back in mm-hmm. and then setting the lat explaining that right those are simple things those are day one things right but even advanced lifters forget them and then you try to explain it and they like might not comprehend it right away right because they've been so out of tune you know but as a coach you can't like focus on i might see six things wrong with your lift i have to go for the the biggest problem first, right? And right. then I have to nitpick later hierarchy. and you might have to work on that biggest problem for a couple weeks before I start on the next problem. Right. Right. So you, if you try to overload, then people think about 50 things at one time. And that's when you see these wonky lifts where you can tell they're in their own head. Mm. It's not fluid. It's like, you see it all the time in the squat when they're working about the, they're worrying about the descent. And they're thinking about all those things, but then they forget, oh, shit, I have to come up with the bar, you know, <laughs> and like they kind of like do that little pause wiggle almost thing. And then yeah. they're like up and then they blast up because they, then they're thinking about reengaging everything or mm-hmm. whatever,
1: you know, so. I remember I was on a training trip with the swimmers and they were doing box jumps mm-hmm. and you, it's I wasn't there for coaching. I was there for massage therapy, but it's just ingrained in you. It's instinct. Like you watch someone move and there's things that you want to fix. And I stopped myself. I went over to the head coach and I was like, am I allowed to say something? And he goes, yeah, absolutely, go ahead. Because what I realized is I don't know where they started. I don't know what their coach has given them like up to that point. Because if it is a hierarchy, he might have known, all right, we have these other major things going wrong. I'm going to fix that first. And yes, there are these three or four things that are also wrong, but they're not quite as important. And so like I I wanted kind of permission to step in there and mm-hmm. be able to say things because I don't know what cue they're currently working on, and without knowing that, I could be contributing to that overload, making them feel overwhelmed as they start, you know, overthinking it. And all right, I need to feel this happen, I need to do this with my arms. Next thing you know, it looks like shit because there's just too much in their head. Yeah. And no matter how many cues you gave collectively between all the coaches, it just gets screwed up. Yeah. Yeah. The whole like feeling things engaged though. That's confusing. Well, not confusing. I I don't like that term because mm-hmm. I think that when people hear that, and at least when I hear that, I think a lot of like isolation mm-hmm. and there are going to be things that you can obviously feel engaged when you're doing them new. Well,
0: I, I just explained this. Um, <clears throat> I just explained this the other day is that so when we're focusing on those one or two things and feeling stuff engage and all mm-hmm. that, the purpose is to create that neurological effect to where then you go through the squat or whatever and you don't necessarily feel those things anymore because you're right. you're so overloaded with what's going on in yeah. the squat, your brain just automatically does, does it, it. becomes part of right? the pattern, yeah. And you have less to focus on then. But if something goes wrong, you can look back at the video or you can almost like your brain reacts later and pinpoints this is what happened.
1: I would not the rotate.
0: Yeah. And, you know, like, or I did, I let go of my brace in the bottom mm-hmm. or, you know, when I got to the bottom, I uh, let go um, of like posterior engagement or yeah. whatever. You know what I mean? There, There's always something that happens in the breakdown. But if you know the cues if you know what each point feels like Mm -hmm. and what a good squat feels like and what a, oh God, that was screwed up squat feels like you can pinpoint those things. But if you're trying to focus on the actual engagement of it all during a a squat, you're just too much for your brain to handle, especially in heavier, heavier weights. Mm -hmm. So the point is to have your brain almost shut off and you just do it. Right. So, um, yeah, that's all we can get to today. I got to get going on this. Um, those are good ones though. Uh, We basically answered two of the other questions (laughs) as we were talking through them about like challenges that uh, coaches face and when like queuing untrained clients Mm -hmm. and things like that. So, all right. Yeah. Uh, Hey, if you, if you were listening to the podcast, uh, try to share it. That might be cool to do. Um, Try to share (laughs) it. people still do that nowadays? Yeah. Uh, Tell people to listen to it. You know, that only helps our exposure, you know. Any announcements? So, um, not as of right now. So, okay. Um, Dan's going to have a, a spring weightlifting meet, I think. So mm-hmm. once that's all set in stone, we'll have some announcements there. But other than that, um, yeah, that's it for today. Have a good one.